This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg on WHMP. Welcome to Talk the Talk. I'm Bill Newman. And I'm Buzz Eisenberg. And we are joined in the studio by City Council Presidents Omar Gomez and Jim Nash. Councilor Gomez is the president of East Hampton City Councilor. Jim Nash is the president of the Northampton City Council. We have had many city councilors on, and I think it is important, and we think it's important, to continue to have conversations with the leaders of the legislative branches of our local governments. And so we welcome you both back to the show. Thank you both. I'd like to start with the news story that has roiled the valley, which is the arrest in Northampton. Uh, the video has been widespread, and, uh, and I think most, well, certainly many residents have seen it. And let me start with you, uh, sure. City Council President Jim Nash. What's your reaction? Um, I, you know, I, when I watched that video, I was appalled, and I was horrified by the lack of composure demonstrated by the officer who made that arrest on King Street. Um, I felt that the um, uh, that from the start to the finish that the the whole interaction was uh, was was dic dictated by a loss of composure that the the officer really um, lost control of the situation um, and that um, and that I, I I see it as an embarrassment for the city um, and for the uh, and for the NPD and for um, you know all of the residents that um, I, I've gotten responses from there's a lot of people have watched that video. It went viral and and I you know the other night I was standing in, in line at Harold's and people were mentioning it to me. People who you would be surprised that they're actually following up on this stuff and that um, and that the that this is not the way we want our, after all of the discussions we've had over the last three years, that this about is- About policing. About policing. This is not what we expect. I just think, Bill, uh, just in case anybody doesn't know what's been roiling the Valley, there are people who don't read the Hampshire Gazette or Mass Live and uh, don't live in Northampton. So maybe a little summary of what happened to uh, Marisol Driush. Sure. There was. Let's let's do this in summary fashion. There was a car that a police officer, a Northampton police officer, noted had a tail light out or a front light out. I forget. I believe what. it was a headlight. headlight. A headlight out. I'm sorry. Uh, pulled the car over, uh, and as a result of lack of communication, um, apparently was not handed license and registration immediately. Pulled the driver. Uh, rather small uh, woman out of the car, uh, took her down to the ground, uh, arrested her, uh, put handcuffs on her, had called for backup, had another officer, and uh, pepper sprayed her twice. Uh, that's what the video shows. Correct. Anything else you want to add to that? Well, just that she kept saying, I don't understand, when he kept screaming at her. It took 90 seconds for him to throw open the door himself and pull her out. She was still attached to her seatbelt. It was a pretty violent takedown of a 60-year-old Hispanic uh, five-foot woman who was still saying, I don't understand. I was driving safely. She didn't know what he was saying. So um, that, that... Yeah, no, apparently that didn't know her headlight was out. I mean, right. So, or the word headlight. Uh, so I would appreciate uh, 
you're telling us, if you can, uh, City Council President Jim Nash, about the investigation that was done. Because mm -hmm. what came to light in these stories was the police department apparently hired an independent investigator who said, yes. oh, everything's fine, totally consistent with the rules of the North End Police, no problem here. How can that be? And who is this organization? And who hired them? And who pays for them? Tell us about that. So I, I'll tell you what I do know. This was an independent uh, investigator hired by the, the NPD um, if I, um, that the, the investigator is a former deputy of public safety for the, for the state and uh, that their findings came back saying that the, the officer followed protocols and that, um, and that uh, there should be uh, uh, no disciplinary action taken. Uh, that uh, I, I believe there was a mention of maybe some uh, some uh, training around maintaining composure, but I that uh, the, the the chief said the the officer received de-escalation training. Yes, there there, and that um, which the video shows was desperately needed, in <laughs> my opinion. Absolutely, that is the job of a police officer is to de-escalate and to. Uh, and, and to work with individuals who are following the law or not, that their job is to help intervene and, and bring, bring, peace. Uh, bring peace. And that... Well, let me ask you this. There was an interesting letter to the editor in, today, in yesterday's Daily Hampshire yes, Gazette from uh, Attorney David Hoos, who has made this point before in the Gazette, which is, if you didn't have police officers involved in situations that don't need police officers, then you would have less uh, situations where police officers act inappropriately and cause harm. And one place where you don't need a police officer is in a routine traffic stop. We're talking about someone with a headlight out. They get a warning or they get a ticket. You don't even need to tell the person because through technology, you know the license plate. Send the person a notice saying if, if they were to drive off, what's the big deal? There's a headlight out. They get an opportunity to fix it anyway. Why do you have to pull the person out of the car, take them down to the ground, handcuff them, and pepper spray them over a headlight? What's the possibility of doing something other than having police officers involved in this kind of a traffic stop? Do you have any thoughts that you can share with us well, about I, that? Well, you know, around that, um, so uh, the use of technology, we might get to license plate readers later in this discussion. We will. <laughs> and, that, um, and, and the use of technology on, on our roadways, uh, like using cameras uh, that could be used in situation like, like this. Are or the officer could just call in the license plate number to the, to the, to the station. And, 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 the, and the state has license plate numbers, and they send a notice out to the owner of the car saying, your car has a, t a headlight out. Fix it. By the way, here's your fine if you don't. It, it's worthy of discussion. I, I imagine one of the, the questions you were going to be asking me, Bill, is like, what do I have? What do, what do I think we should do in response? And the fact is, I really don't know just yet. But I, I think we need to start figuring this out. Well, it's really interesting. We had the attorney for Mario. Um, I believe that her, her last name is pronounced Drush. But... Um, uh, on, on the air uh, last week, and, and she, I asked her about what she thought about the 
conclusion that um, the officer had acted in compliance with policies. And she said, that's true, because police policies are about this kind of behavior. That, that was her position. We got to change policing. That's what she was saying. City council. I, so I, there is a zone right here that needs to be addressed. That it, when I watch that video, so I do employment consulting with young people. And, and I got to say, when you lose... As, as your other day job. As my other day job. And when you lose composure like this, it, it, it's, it, it's grounds for firing. And that, that right now that is off the table due to the, you know, the collective bargaining agreement. And that, that our ability to actually discipline officers around you know, their behavior is, is seriously lacking. And it's not just for Northampton. It's for uh, departments across the country. Well, let's then turn to the president of the East Hampton City Council, Omar Gomez. And I would appreciate it if you would share your reaction with us, uh, uh, Councilor Gomez. And in particular, I mean, other than, thank God it didn't happen in East Hampton, uh, what's your reaction? First, thank you for having us again here with you guys. Um, I want to set closer. Um, I want to set the start saying Family Mobility Act is really concerning. The what we saw in the video, and the the lack of some training from some police police in in Northampton or could be in the whole state when some people don't speak the language uh, could be problematic. I, I watched the video and was really sad to see that the person who's supposed to be protecting you wasn't not protecting you. And follow that up, because one thing that happens on the video is that the officer eventually calls for an officer who can translate, who speaks Spanish, and so that they could communicate. He's yelling at her, screaming at her in English, and she's saying, I don't get it. I, I don't understand. And it seems to me that at that point, call immediately for a backup to get an officer, because Northampton does have this capability of officers available to translate. Great. But it didn't happen for quite a while into this, into this uh, episode that happened on, on King Street. So you think that the resources are there? It's a question of using them? Yes. And the other thing is that we can see was the lack of Training, training, training. You have to be trained. You have to deal with people. You have to, uh, in the middle of the night, that will happen in the middle of the night. And I watched the video multiple times and um, was, was sad. Was sad seeing this woman um, basically asking for our police to show up when the police pull her over. So she didn't feel safe. And that was the biggest concern, that she didn't feel safe, even with the police next to her. Yeah, and the biggest concern, according to the uh, uh, officer, was, well, what if she might drive away? Uh, to which my reaction is, yeah, so what? What's the big deal? You have her license plate number. You can follow her. You could put out a uh, APB for someone to stop her later on. You don't have to have an arrest of a person for having a headlight out. Goodness gracious. 
Let me let me turn to an, another matter, if I might, that is related, and I'll ask you about this. Uh, East Hampton City Council President Omar Gomez. Uh, there was an article in the Shoestring recently that I read about license plate readers in East Hampton. Question about uh, privacy being raised and how East Hampton residents and visitors to the city in their cars are being uh, surveilled in some way by these license plate readers and. Uh, I'm wondering if you can tell us whether the city council in East Hampton had anything to do with uh, that purchase of that technology and what your reaction – did you know about it and what your reaction was to that news report? Answer the first question is no. The city council never approved or um, appropriate any money for buying any type of those cameras. We never came to us, uh, starting with that. Uh, That I knew about it? Yes, I and I raised some concerns to the police chief, uh, Chief Aberti, about that um, about that situation and the concerns about some residents don't feeling safe in our community, sharing some uh, really important information. Um, we have multiple cameras in Isamton. That's not the only one. Um, that's is there one camera or are, they, are these on cruisers? How do these no, license plate readers work? No, it's one camera coming down the mountain from Holyoke, and it's two cameras at the new school. The new school have the same cameras, um, and some people can say it makes sense there because you want to know who's going in and out of the building, so uh, you want to you be sure who's, who's going to that building. My understanding today is that those two cameras from the school department, the police doesn't have control of it, and they don't receive that information. I know the other one, the police receive... Uh, information about when um, someone have a warrant and no tax warrant, right? Like uh, if you don't pay your, your excess taxes, you, the police is not going to get a, um, a tax. Uh, but if you are, uh, the, the, you make something really bad and your plate are registered for doing something really bad, the police is going to get a notification about it. Now the question is, and it's going to be at the console, uh, it's going to be at the public safety meeting, uh, we're going to this the public safety uh, committee committee of, meeting of at the, the East city, council. city council. Yes. Okay, it's going to be a discussion there with the police chief, with the uh, uh, company who provide these cameras, to who is getting the information, with who we are sharing this information if we are doing it, so that way people in Southampton can feel safe that we're not sharing any information, and we have ordinance in Southampton that protect people. Right, we have the Welcoming Trust ordinance. And we have the face recognition ordinance so that way the police department or any department in Isamton are not allowed to share or not to use it because the face recognition software is biased. And we can have discussion about how the bias and the face recognition software. Well, let me turn now, if I might, from East Hampton City Council President Omar Gomez to Northampton City Council President mm-hmm. Jim Nash. Uh, I think the same article says that Northampton actually has a uh, uh, license plate reader technology that is in place. And I'm wondering if you know about uh, that and whether the council has. So my understanding is that the WatchGuard um, uh, dash cam system has that capability if you opt into it and that Northampton uh, has not opted into that. I also want to say that I'm really glad that we have dash cams in our police cruisers. The, this whole discussion this, yes. we're having is based on 
we can all see what happened and we can all evaluate, you know, what occurred on King Street. And thank God for having the dash cams. Um, but we, my understanding is we have not opted into that technological feature or app for uh, the watch guard system. So as far as you know, Northampton doesn't have a license plate reader system in effect? As far as I know, yes. I, I, I don't I know go, that we have that. I'd just like to go back to uh, East Hampton Councilor um, uh, Gomez. Do you have concerns about the privacy issues with regard to these this system? He's making a terrible face. Uh, <laughs> because I don't know if concerns is the right um, word for me. Um, probably some red flags, yes. Um, because um, probably the city, and I will blame myself too, we are not being really transparent to the people that we have that camera in town. Um, we never, the city never made any press release about it. And people just find out because it was driving. The same mm -hmm. way that I, that I find out. I was driving that, that uh, road, and my wife asked me about it. And to be <laughs> honest, I, I remember that day. I say, Cindy, you know what? I don't know, but I'm going to find out. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with the City Council Presidents of East Hampton and Northampton right after this. More Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP. What's cooking at River Valley Co-op? Here's avid eater, grocery shopper, and co-op member Bill Newman. Local farmers are arriving at the co-op every day with summer berries, corn, tomatoes, and watermelon, and endless bounty. At the co-op seafood counter, little neck clams are rolling in. What goes better with corn and tomatoes than sweet, briny little necks? No time to cook today? The co-op makes pizza, sandwiches, burgers, sushi, and smoothies, and they make it all from scratch. River Valley Co-op, wild about local. Everyone is welcome. Does your knee pain keep getting worse? How about that pain in your shoulder, hip, or back? Don't let them tell you steroids and surgery are your only options. Call QC Kinetics now. QC Kinetics can make that pain go away with all-natural advanced regenerative medicine. They're helping people here every day with these amazing natural treatments that restore and repair damaged joint tissue. It's like turning back the clock. Regenerative medicine uses concentrated healing agents from your own body to stimulate that damaged tissue in your joints so they can work again like they're supposed to. And there's zero downtime. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in this exciting medical breakthrough. Patients here are getting real lasting relief and are saying no to surgery and drugs. If you have pain due to injury or arthritis, check out this remarkable option. And the consultation is free. Call QC Kinetics now at 413-992-5450. 413-992-5450. Jay Burnham here, voice of the Massachusetts Minutemen. Touchdown! Massachusetts. I just wanted to let you know that all of the UMass football action can be heard right here on our new flagship home for Massachusetts football. It's WHMP. Take WHMP and news from the Pioneer Valley with you everywhere. Download the TuneIn Radio app and search for WHMP. It's free, it's easy, and it's wherever you are. WHMP on TuneIn Radio.
You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. We continue our conversation with City Council Presidents from East Hampton, Omar Gomez, and North from Northampton, Jim Nash. During the break, we continued our conversation, and both of you, Presidents, made the point about technology and how lucky we are to be able to see for ourselves what happened and what dash cams mean in terms of surveillance of the police. And I wondered if you would take a minute and share your thoughts with us about that. Jim Nash? Well, I I believe the, you know, having the, the dash cam on that, on King Street um, for that incident um, prov- provided a lot of information. It, it Rather than being a, um, you know, two people stories, we got to see exactly what happened. We didn't see everything. I mean, there's the officer claimed she tried to roll up her window. I we couldn't see that, but but we got so much information about the the tenor of the conversation that was going on that um, it, it that is the reason you want to have the dash cams. You agree with that? President, council, hundred percent, and technology is good if if we use it the right way. And I want to add one other thing: is that uh, when council was discussing this, that the the issue was that when most traffic stops are in isolated locations, and one of the things that stands out, there are no other cars going by. There's no one else observing what's going on, and that it happened it, it's at midnight. Be- yeah, it's between an officer and an individual, and this is typically what happens overnight. And and through the dash cam, we can be there to see what happened. And I and in this case, it's very much um, protecting the individual who got pulled over. I'd like to return to uh, President of the East Hampton City Council, Omar Gomez, and ask you, Council President Gomez, about a vote that you just took. I think probably a difficult vote in some ways, uh, in which you voted to sustain the mayor's veto of an ordinance that has had various ways of being referred to sometimes as the crisis pregnancy uh, center ordinance, although that's not, in fact, what it addresses. Um, And the mayor uh, vetoed it on the basis of potential liability for the city. Uh, You voted to sustain the mayor's veto and You have been criticized for that, Um, not by me, um, because, well, we can get into it. But I would appreciate it if you would, if you'd like to take a minute or two to explain your your vote, which was to sustain the veto when you had originally voted for the ordinance. I say yes to pass the ordinance. And I believe that day I did the right thing. Because we always have to do in our power to protect people. The next day, the mayor of East Hampton vetoed the ordinance. This was an ordinance we should uh, explain to our listeners that would have required the city of East Hampton to put certain information about uh, – on its website regarding reproductive rights and otherwise uh, enshrined in a city ordinance what is already in state law about access to reproductive health care. That's correct. If you are to meet that Friday after the mayor veto 
the ordinance, I will say, let's override the veto right away. Because I was, I was upset. There was a, a hardworking sessions with counselors for more than a year. But whoever decided to write the charter, that we have multiple charters in, 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 the, in Massachusetts, that's our constitution, basically, right? We cannot take any action in, in 10 days. So basically is hey, hold down, read the reasons, and then you make a decision. And you know what? That's what I did. I take my time. I read the reasons why the mayor veto it. I do my homework. And that's why at the, at the meeting I said, when a counselor said, we, if we don't pass this ordinance, now some people are not going to have protection. I disagree with that because MGL Chapter 127 is pretty clear. And it's being protected by the state and not just the state, the Constitution of Massachusetts. And at the end of the day, I have to do what is the best for the majority of the people in Southampton. And if everybody's protected by the state, and it's a really huge potential sue to the Southampton, and we're going to lose a ton of money one way or the other, including that we're going to have pro bono lawyers. At the end of the day, we have to send that information to our city solicitor. And our city solicitor is not going to do it for free. We have to pay some money. And we have to protect, at the, at the end of the day, people's money. And at the same time, that we have to protect people's rights. And, but at the state level, is already protected. The ordinance, the proposed ordinance that the mayor veto and the veto having been sustained, in fact, uses, repeats much of the language from the state law. And then it would have made it an ordinance in East Hampton. So... I'm wondering if you, I know I'm asking you to make the argument from the other side now, but what it would have actually accomplished that isn't already in state law, in your judgment? The only thing that will change is basically forcing the day-to-day operation in the city, at the health department, to post it online. Because those, those protections are already exist at the state level. So we're not going to make more protections to anyone because the state already protects them. That's, that's a, the only thing. Um, and I, I want to make this really clear. Don't believe me. Right? Usually people say, don't believe the politicians. And people get really upset. I say the other way. Yeah, don't believe. Do your homework. Read MGL chapter 127. Well, if I could just follow Bill's uh, question, Mr. President. Often legislative bodies pass resolutions. This is how we feel about a particular issue. Why doesn't East Hampton City Council say, okay, we're not going to do that because of the reasons that you just said and the mayor's concerns about cost and repetitive legislation. At the same time, we do not like these in our community, these uh, pregnancy crisis centers, which deceptively make people believe that they're health-related uh, organizations, but in fact they're an ideology-dispensing organization. Why not pass a resolution? That's a great question. Uh, we have three counselors who decide to uh, introduce our ordinance, and it's our job to review it, right? Um, I, I'm pretty sure so the mayor and all the counselors proposed to these three counselors to do a resolution. Uh, at the end of the day, that didn't happen. Right? And I cannot go back to change what they didn't happen. 
what I can say is um, we make a decision. And I know, Bill, you mentioned uh, uh, being criticized by my vote. Uh, I will say that that's unfair. Because, because the critics make themselves known, and those who support you, well, maybe don't write quite as many letters to the editor of the Gazette. That's, thank you. That's correct. And I'll, after the day that I vote, I'll be in sitting down with some constituents because they want to know why I vote the way that I vote. And after I talk to them, they say, you know what, you make the right decision. Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't make the decision. The council made the decision. You know, I was not the only voting, no. Right, it was five to four, I believe. Uh, five, three, because three. one councilor okay. didn't show up for two meetings. Okay. Uh, but I was not the only one. Right. Right? And people can say the argument is, yes, because you say yes first, and then you say no. Yeah, but another councilor abstained first, and then they say no. So, again, it's always easy. Um to pick on one, then the whole council. But at the end of the day, and I said this to every single vote that the council made, was the council. The council vote one way or the other. It was not just only me. Right, and I, and I think, and I actually, uh, and I, I applaud you for taking what I think is a courageous stand because when you made that vote, you had to know you were going to be subject to criticism. It was gonna. It was inevitable, but you did what you thought was the right thing to do. That's correct. That's a positive note on which to leave it. Should we do that? Are we okay for the day? City Councilor President, City Council President Omar Gomez, thank you so much, and Northampton City Council President Jim Nash, thank you so very much. We appreciate you both being with us for an enlightening and important discussion today, and I hope you'll be back with us again soon. Thank you. Listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. A 57-year-old Hiddenville man is dead following a head-on collision on Route 9 in Williamsburg yesterday afternoon. One of the vehicles was traveling in the wrong direction when the crash occurred around 2.15 p.m. The road was closed for several hours between Bread Euphoria and Beaverbrook Golf Course, but is now reopened. The crash is under investigation. Multiple employees of the State Department of Children and Family Services are being sued by a Southampton couple over their religious views. According to the Gazette, Michael and Catherine Burke say they were denied a foster care license on the grounds they could not be affirming to a child who identified as LGBTQIA+. The suit alleges the denial violates the First Amendment and calls on the court to prohibit discrimination based on religious beliefs of foster parents. The East Hampton Fire Department will receive $565,000 in federal grants to purchase new equipment, including a brush truck and self-contained breathing apparatus. East Hampton Fire Chief Christopher Norris says the demand for services has gone up for the last three years by 20% each year. The funding comes from two assistance to firefighter grants, which was awarded by the Department of Homeland Security. The money must be used within two years. And for the seventh year in a row, UMass Amherst has been named the best in-campus food by the Princeton Review. UMass Dining is the largest collegiate dining program 
in the nation. Partly sunny this afternoon, still the chance for an isolated shower or two. Most of us stay dry, a high of 76 to 80. Variable clouds tonight, evening temperatures in the 70s, an overnight low of 62 to 68. Sun cloud mix tomorrow, chance for scattered showers, especially in the afternoon, a high of 80 to 84. Showers and thunderstorms likely on Friday. 22 News Storm Team meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.? Is this week's Shop Friday Peter Haven's Restaurant? Correct. They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. Peter Haven's Restaurant is back on the Shop 30 store. And now you can use their gift certificates for the Oyster Bar, too. It's right next door. Peter Haven's Restaurant and the Oyster Bar at Peter Haven's. Fine dining in downtown Brattleboro. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at whmp.com. A Northampton man contends with his slow passage into blindness. What's that like? Andrew Leland's new book, The Country of the Blind, is part memoir, part historical and cultural investigation. Leland's determined not to merely survive the transition, but to revel in that which makes blindness enlightening, accepting uncertainty, connecting with others across differences. Warm and funny, The Country of the Blind is an exhilarating tour of a way of being most of us have never paused to consider. Pick up The Country of the Blind at Northampton's independent bookstore, Broadside Bookshop. Hi, this is Jessica from Fitness Together. I meet clients every day who tell me that as the number on their scale grew higher, their self-esteem dropped lower, and going to a traditional gym absolutely terrified them. Here at Fitness Together, we'll work with you one-on-one, either virtually or in one of our private suites in Amherst or Northampton. We'll help you set and reach your fitness goals, and most importantly, smile every time you look in the mirror. Fitness Together in Amherst and Northampton. Your self-worth is worth Fitness Together. Smith Academy in Hatfield is accepting school choice applications now. With an average class size of 10, Smith Academy supports all students. They offer more than 20 clubs, 8 AP courses, 14 sports teams, work study, and internships, and free dual enrollment at HCC and Smith College. Computer science for all students. With a graduation rate of over 95%, most college bound, Smith Academy can prepare you for the next step. No cost to apply or attend. Call us or go to HatfieldPS.net and schedule a tour today. Welcome back to Talk the Talk. This is our segment called Cool Films with Larry Hott, foreign-based Emmy Award-winning filmmaker Larry Hott. Larry, a, films, a film you want to bring to our attention is Talk to Us. Well, this morning I want to change your mind, really change it. I want to talk to you about LSD. The walls are melting. <laughs> so I just... I'm not really sure how the rest of the show is going to oh, go, but I can hardly it's gonna, wait. It's going to be a good trip. Okay, let's go. Okay. So I just watched the four-part series, four hours, called How to Change Your Mind, based on the book the, of the same name by Michael Pollan. You know who Michael Pollan is? The aptly named Michael Pollan, who wrote The Omnivore's Dilemma. Yes. Became famous. He is in every documentary. You know, you can't get away the, from the this guy. The man who takes yeast out of the air to, to raise his bread. Yeah. Yeah. So he is, he is a, a great writer. He's a wonderful presence on film. And he's teamed up with a guy named Alex Gibney, who was a well-known award-winning documentary filmmaker. 
to do a four-part series based on his book, How to Change Your Mind, one of the best titles ever. And it is about the therapeutic use of hallucinogens. So I watched all four hours, and it was a good trip, and I'll tell you why. I I want to know why. You want to know why. I want to know why it's such an interesting film. And I'd really like to know, since we hear about this from time to time and read about it, what did you learn? Well, what I learned is I learned a lot about how LSD and other hallucinogens were legal for a long time, up until 1966 when California banned it, and then in 1970 when Nixon banned it. And a lot of this film is about the therapeutic use of hallucinogens, but it's also about the government reaction. And my big takeaway from this is that People who want to ban the use of hallucinogens are no fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but but beyond fun, the use of hallucinogens, and what I want to know about in particular in this film, is the use of low-dose LSD is now, in fact, being proved uh, a very effective use for various mental health issues. Yes, exactly. And there are many types of hallucinogens, and the research on this started in the 30s. Even going back before that, when it was synthesized in Switzerland, LSD was discovered. And the Army used this, and this is why I first heard about it. This uh, producer, Alex Gibney, was working on this film long before Michael Pollan got involved. And I was at his studio in New York about 10, 12 years ago, and I was shown clips from this film, and it was recordings of the Army research what the soldier, how the soldiers reacted. You might have seen this footage. It's on the internet. It's also in, in this film where these soldiers, they attempt to march in formation. And not only can they not march in formation, but they fall on the ground and start laughing. <laughs> that, not good for military preparedness. No, I, no. I, I'm going to agree with that. But it, what, it's interesting that it was the military because it turns out that the therapy for PTSD, uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome, that use of hallucinogens is extremely effective. Right? So I think if we hear a clip from the trailer uh, for How to Change Your Mind, there's a four-part series on Netflix really released in 2022, you'll get a sense of this film. They scrambled your chromosomes. They caused you to hop off of buildings. It was all terrifying. So I took a look at the true effects of these substances. I was very surprised at what I found. Mescaline, psilocybin, MDMA, LSD. For a lot of people, this was the bad and evil drugs, but the opposite is true. There are really people who could benefit. Can't wait to see what's going to happen. What if mental health problems like OCD, PTSD, alcoholism and depression could all be helped? I'm a fairly conservative, sober scientist but I've seen it work. And this medicine here starts to help heal. Some of my friends said, don't do it. Psychedelic therapy has the potential to revolutionize mental health care. So psychotherapy has the potential to revolutionize mental health care. All throughout this four-part series, every single person who is treated and is interviewed is done so in a sterile, um, controlled setting they always look like motel rooms with a camera in the corner. 
And I actually began to become offended by this, even though I liked the idea of, of legalizing hallucinogens and making it available for research and use in therapy. What it demonstrated was that you have to be so conservative in your approach to ever get the funding to do this. To ever say that this is something that can be used recreational, recreationally will condemn your research. And this goes back to something they do get at in the series, which was why it was banned in the first place. And they do a pretty good job of talking about Timothy Leary and Richard Alpert, also known as Baba Ramdas, and how their research escaped the lab at Harvard. And when that ha happened, they were fired, 1963, fired from Harvard. But it got into the public consciousness because they had met with Aldous Huxley, who published The Doors of Perception. And the radical movement, the anti-war movement, read this. People started trying LSD, and it became associated with the anti-war movement and the hippies, the so-called hippies. And that's when, by 1970, when this is deep into the culture, that's when Nixon starts the war on drugs in earnest and bans LSD as well as all the other drugs. And now we've had a reaction against that. But the problem, as this com comes up in this documentary many times, is that the research, which was well-funded and respected, had to go underground, and that made it very difficult for respected scientists to do the work. So I'm, I'm watching this film thinking, now that we have enclosed it in these small rooms with supervision, microdosing, and, and therapy, it's saying to us that we cannot have fun with drugs like this because that's forbidden. Well, stop there for a, while, right. Larry, for a second because what the rap is, of course, mm. on LSD is uncontrolled, too many bad trips that end up hurting people. Does this film deal with that accusation? Yes, it does. In fact, I, watch, I watched an, another film that's on Netflix because the way Netflix works in their algorithm, it shows me all the other films they have about hallucinogens. And this one has a great title, also, Have a Good Trip. And this film is just interviews with celebrities. Carrie Fisher, Anthony Bourdain, both of whom have, have died <laughs> related to drugs in some way. Sting, Bob Cordray. And they're just retelling their experiences with poorly done graphics. As opposed to uh, the uh, How to Change Your Mind, which I, I guess has very realistic images of what it looks like on, on, on a trip. And they talk about how realistic these are. But what they get out of the second film, Have a Good Trip, is that even the bad trips teach you something. And no, nobody, there's no recording of anybody having uh, committed suicide or had a psychotic break as a result of a trip that they didn't come back from. And so this is sort of a mythological. I'm sure that people listening now will say, wait a second, I know about this, I heard about this. But this is the question of whether people who, who have uh, uh, problems before they, go to, before they use the drugs, whether that accentuates the problem, which is part of the conundrum here because what the uh, How to Change Your Mind is saying is if you have problems that hallucinogens under controlled uh, supervision will actually help you. And in fact, they give an example of a woman who has the, had the worst possible things happen to her. Uh, children dying, parents being killed, all kinds of things that happened to her. And she has one session, and this changes her life. And this idea of one session supervised is something that comes up again and again. 
We are going to take a quick break. Right after that, we are going to continue our conversation and hear more from Florence-based Emmy Award-winning filmmaker Larry Hott about how to change your mind, have a good trip, LSD, microdosing. we got lots to talk about right after this. is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. Find local news and local talk for the Valley. It wasn't necessary and it probably wasn't even appropriate on the one hand. I don't want that to sound like I don't support schools. I have a long history of supporting schools, certainly longer than any one of those city councilors. Where the heart of the Pioneer Valley lives. 1015 and 1400 WHMP News, Information, and the Arts. Are you tired of feeling like a watchless hero in a world full of timekeeping villains? Fear not. Hero Watch Repair is here to save the day. With over 20 years of experience and a heroic five-star customer rating, Hero Watch is the ultimate superhero of watch repair and customization in the Valley. These heroes possess the power to buy, fix, sell, and customize watches like no other. They'll swoop in, rescue your timepiece, and restore it to its former glory. Call Avery at Hero Watch Repair, East Hampton. Every time you open your energy bill, you cringe. And with good reason, because you're paying too much. The easy answer is solar. And taking advantage of solar energy with Franklin First Federal Credit Union is easy. Our solar loan puts solar on the table. And a local expert can show you all the ways it pays to install solar. Visit franklinfirst.org slash solarloans for more details. That's franklinfirst.org slash solarloans. Franklin First Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. Do you know a woman of impact? Nominate her now for the Business West Women of Impact Awards, honoring women who are respected for accomplishments in their professional life, who give back to the community, and are sought out as advisors and mentors. Business West is looking for the 2023 Women of Impact. Help Business West discover them. Go to businesswest.com to nominate a woman you know making an impact in the community. The deadline to nominate is September 5th. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. We continue our conversation with Larry Hott, Florence-based Emmy Award-winning filmmaker Larry Hott. This is our segment called Cool Films with Larry Hott, and we are talking about how to change your mind, have a good trip, how, well, psychedelics are helpful, useful, beneficial, and apparently at least one fabulous film. This film, it's a four-part series on Netflix called How to Change Your Mind. It features Michael Pollan. You might know him from his book, The Omnivore's Dilemma. Four films. One is about LSD. One's about psilocybin. One's about MDMA, also known as ecstasy. And one's about mescaline. And they trace the history of research on all of these. 
it's very well done, incredible graphics and animation. Um, according to the experts, very realistic. The people who tell their stories uh, are illustrated with creative animation, uh, changes in the images, the uh, floors moving around, uh, the walls <laughs> coming down around you. Uh, from my understanding of it, it's very realistic images of what you see. But it changes with each, with each drug. I wanted to read to you a quote from a woman who uh, has suffered from great PTSD. And this is what she said about this. Uh, As the sessions progressed, I worked with the therapist to remain embodied and fully present to my emotions. I'm doing this, as I'm doing this, I was able to find a new perspective, one that had eluded me for years. And from this place, I could find empathy, forgiveness, and understanding for many people in my life, but most importantly, for myself. This is from one session. Yes, Bill. Now, I was wondering, you have a clip you could share with us? Yes, well, this is a clip from the trailer for the, for the series uh, to give you a sense of what people are saying about their experiences with LSD and other hallucinogens. And the land, and you realize, oh my goodness, there's all of this. I didn't know. It's like a light bulb has gone off. My story is the same story as millions of veterans. Where my story becomes unique is I took MDMA three times. It saved my life. It really did short circuit this suicidal period that I was in. It's not like magic bullet that everything's perfect. But just think how much human suffering could be relieved. This is the tool for understanding the mind. Maria Sabina fue una mujer que ahora sí le abrió puerta a todo el mundo. This tension continues to grow. If the drug war ends, what's the peace look like? We're all striving to have good health and happiness. This medicine helped me stand on my own two feet. True science probes the very frontiers of human knowledge. One quote in there when Michael Pollan says, if the, if the drug war ends, then what? And I, throughout this whole series, I kept thinking about what is it about the drug war? Uh, we, we know that the war on marijuana, part of it was, was uh, racism, uh, a way to get uh, attack the black community. Uh, we know that uh, during the Vietnam War era and the rise of the hippie movement, it was a way to suppress protest and a counterculture movement that was threatening to the government. But what is it about that mindset, that authoritarian, puritanical mindset that doesn't want people to just relax and enjoy themselves? That's one thing. And then what is it about this movement to um, promote microdosing and psychotherapy that says it has to always be controlled? They're, I think they are, they are afraid that what would happen in the 60s is when Timothy Leary and Richard Alpert and, and other proponents of the use, you know, tune in, turn on, drop out, that, that the reaction against that will happen to them again. Um, so I want to read a, a, a quote from pollen from the film let's just spend 10 seconds yeah. noting that since this film came out the use of psychedelics uh has actually expanded enormously in mental health and has become accepted in a way that it never was yeah. five years ago yes and that's actually the result of a man named rick doblin who was featured in the film who did a doctoral thesis in the 80s on how to legalize drugs and psychedelics which has now become the blueprint i want to end with something that pollen says about this about the ego and how, why this therapy works. The ego is a membrane between you and the world, he says. It's defensive and it's very useful. Getting perspective on your ego is something you work at in psychotherapy. But this happened for, for me in the course of an afternoon. 
And that's what's remarkable about it. So I'm challenging everybody here, Bill, Buzz, tonight, I, I just this say, afternoon. That is so far out. <laughs> and you recommend the film? I highly recommend the film because it, it is both sober and fun. It gives you perspective on it, tells you about the research that's going on, doesn't fool around, um, but it makes the point that this is serious work being done on, on hallucinogens, and it could be life-changing and life-affirming and for mind, everyone. And mind-changing. Uh, I hope so. Do Change you have to watch, binge-watch it four in a row, or can you do it one way? Oh, yeah, one it, you don't have, you know, it's, it's simple, easy to, easy to watch. It's digestible. Well, <laughs> we leave it on that note, How to Change Your Mind, on Netflix. On Netflix. Larry Hot, thank you so very much. You're a nonprofit doing good work in the community. You want to let people know? That's easy. Talk to Hannah. Tell her you want to have a PSA on WHMP. If you're a community nonprofit, WHMP helps you communicate. Have an event? Need donations? Volunteers? Talk to Hannah. She'll help you craft a message and we'll run it at no cost. Hi, it's Hannah. Email me at hward at whmp.com or call me at 586-7400. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts, and messages from community nonprofits. My name is Silas Koff. I have long been a friend of Riverside Industries in East Hampton. For more than 50 years, they have empowered and supported adults with developmental disabilities. People are treated with dignity and respect, and the Riverside team helps them to reach their goals and even find employment in our area. You may not realize it, but you encounter people every day in our community that receive training and support from Riverside Industries. To learn more about the fine work that Riverside Industries does, WHMP North. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg on WHMP. And welcome to Talk the Talk. I am Buzz Eisenberg. And I'm Bill Newman. And Bill, there's a really um, very interesting and probably uh, won't be the first time that we talk about it or anybody else does, story on the, uh, this morning's uh, Daily Hampshire Gazette by James Pentland. It, Front page, top of the fold. Exactly. About a Southampton couple who say that they were rejected as prospective foster parents uh, because their religious views on homosexuality and gender, gender identity um, were not in keeping with what the state Department of Children and Families uh, non-discriminatory policy uh, asked for. They are Michael and Catherine, or called Kitty Burke, and they claim that after 30 hours of training, they were told that they would not be getting licensed to be uh, foster parents um, because their uh, views are not would not be affirming to a child who identified as LGBTQIA. Uh, the suit's being filed in district court, you know, federal court uh, in Massachusetts, and it's naming the Secretary of Executive Office of Health and Human Services as well as the Commissioner of the Department of Children and Families. The claim is this. They're saying that they are Catholics as devout Catholics. They cannot support homosexuality and transgender um, policies, and they would otherwise accept any kid, but they would not be uh, supporting kids who felt that they were homosexuals or uh, needed to be uh, transitioning from their gender. Um, 
Your thoughts, Bill? Well, let's go back one second, spend a minute on the complaint that's been filed in federal district court. It says this, as faithful Catholics, the Burks believe that all children should be loved and supported and they would never reject a child placed in their home. The lawsuit states they also believe children should not undergo procedures that attempt to change their God-given sex and uphold Catholic beliefs about marriage and sexuality. In effect, the complaint continues, DCF, Department of Children and Families, has interpreted its regulations as an absolute bar for Catholics who agree with the Church's teaching on sex, marriage, and gender, which is actually not what DCF is saying. DCF is saying in order to be a foster parent, to receive a foster parent placement, uh, you cannot deny a child who identifies as LGBTQ uh, what their identification is. And this is not so dissimilar, it seems to me, to what happens when parents have disagreement about religious uh, teachings, and that happens in divorces all the time. So in some ways, this is going to be a big national story with a lot of publicity, and the right wing is going to harp all over it. But it, at its core, it seems to me that what DCF is doing is saying, a child is a child, and you need to be, in order to be a foster parent uh, in our system, you need to be open to who the child is, not what you want to impose on the child. And if you can't accept that, then you can't be a foster parent. Here, here. I, and I totally agree with that uh, position personally and uh, my understanding of the law as well, including the free exercise clause. The Burks are being represented by a Boston attorney, Michael Gillern, who uh, is with the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty. It's a Washington nonprofit law firm that goes around the country defending the rights of people who are claiming that their religious beliefs keep them from complying with what otherwise we think are anti-discriminatory laws um, in public life. And uh, they do that pro bono, and they are representing the Burks. I, I do want to uh, remind... Uh, and we should point out, this is foster care. This is not adoption. This is foster care. This is, uh, it could become permanent, but it's a temporary placement. And you have a child who is who they are, and the parents, the foster parents, thank God there are foster parents, and congratulations to uh, all of the foster parents who take on kids in need of that love and support and assistance. But goodness gracious, the child is the child. It's not who you want to turn the child into if you're a foster parent based on your religious beliefs. This doesn't affect the foster parents' religious beliefs. They can practice their Catholicism as, as assiduously and fervently as they wish. It says they can't impose those specific beliefs on a child. Ditto, 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 except. Uh, no exception to my ditto. <laughs> but my concern comes from the fact that this morning when I looked at this headline, I did a little bit of research because it sounded vaguely familiar. And in fact, back in 2021, there, the Supreme Court entertained a case called Fulton versus City of Philadelphia. This was a case in which Catholic Social Services um, ref had, had had a contract and another Christian Services had had contracts with the City of Philadelphia to find foster parents for kids. And uh, the, finally, the City of Philadelphia uh, insisted that both entities agree to certify same-sex couples, married same-sex couples, um, as foster parents, and Catholic Social Services refused to on the basis of it, what it claimed was religious liberty. It went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court overruled the Third Circuit, which had said that the City of Philadelphia had the right to not certify them, that service, because they refused to accept same-sex couples, and the Supreme Court overruled the Third Circuit. 
and ruled in favor of Catholic social services. So this is a battle. It's somewhat analogous to this. The facts are different, but it's concerning. Well, it's going to be a royal battle, and it is going to, I think, involve significant views about what foster parenting is and does. Uh, If this were an adoption case, it would actually be, I think, a more difficult case because, well, then the parents would actually be the parents, and parents, of course, can influence, attempt to influence their children's uh, moral and religious and uh, upbringings. So it's going to be an important case, and it will be happening, Buzz, I take it, in Springfield District Court here, federal? Yes, federal court, U.S. District Court. Yes. Well, um, we did want to talk about that. It's hard not to talk about that, and as Bill says, as he predicts, I agree, this is going to be a big story for... Uh, months to come. But I want to turn our attention to what's happening in our sister city, just north of us, Brattleboro. I always love going to Brattleboro. And uh, beginning on the 18th, um, beginning on Thursday, there is uh, something really extraordinary going on up in Brattleboro. And we have the music director uh, who is going to be involved in it, Hugh Keelan. Uh, It's Brattleboro's Tundi Wagner Festival. Tundi is T-U-N-D-I. You may Google Tundi Wagner and it'll bring you to uh, all kinds of information about this really interesting looking thing. Hello, Hugh. Good morning to you, Bill and Buzz and everybody else. I'm so honored to be here. So I, I listened riveted to your news story about the conflict of values, about the conflict between, shall we say, governmental institutional demands and expectations and a family and a kid now i want to tell you that is on point for the content of what we're doing literally the first act of our opera that we're presenting uh, first night on on the 18th of this month is uh, it's called die valkyrie as you've pointed out it's it's by it's by richard wagner and there's much to talk about uh, the, the 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 appropriately loathed figure of wagner but the story that he writes and presents us with is exactly that story. It is a parental conflict about values with a child as, shall we say, a ball that is beaten across the net in in different ways, and the horrifying impacts of putting a child in that position. Now, I'm here to tell you, that's the content of the work that we do. The con- we are not really here for entertainment, even though at first sight, it's very easy to put us into the category of, you know, classical music, um, theater, uh, something for an elite. We aim to be providing an extraordinary service, primarily a service of self-reflection uh, for us and for society about really important matters. You gave me the most extraordinary segue in. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's really interesting. Uh, so who is WE? WE is this company called Tundi, T-U-N-D-I, which stands for the work that uh, we love the most, which is Tristan und Isolde, the ultimate in capital letters love story uh, in operatic form by Wagner. So my wife, Jenna Ray, and myself, I'm called Hugh Keelan, we founded this company because really we didn't want to go to our graves not having performed these works the way we want to perform them. 
and nobody was apparently picking up the phone to us and saying, hey, come on, do this for our major company with lots of money. So we decided to, in a, uh, an, a sort of artistic entrepreneurial manner to take it on ourselves. We're now in our third season. We operate from the Latches Theater in Brattleboro, Vermont, and we do these almost comically ambitious works. It's, it's, it's an almost, you know, ridiculous overreach on our part. This is our third season that we're embarking on on the 18th, and we are performing the middle two of the immense epic ring cycle of Wagner. Last year, we performed the first and the second. They're called Das Rheingold and Die Valkyrie. And the subject of Die Valkyrie is fundamentally a father-daughter conflict. The father is chief god. The daughter has to deal with um, handling, mishandling certain infractions as her god her father, who is a god, sees it, and the absolutely epic cosmological and personal fallout uh, th th that comes from that. Uh, it contains one of the most famous excerpts in all music, and I, I'm deliberately avoiding the term classical music, which is the Ride of the Valkyries. Dum -dum -ba -dum -bum -bum. Everybody knows that one, right? Mm -hmm. So that is the that is the initial sounds of the. Did we freeze? Did Hugh uh, Keelan freeze on us? You did, Hugh. Well, uh, Bill, I, this, I, ju I just want to say it's so interesting. He was in the middle of describing. I'm, I'm looking at de Volcour. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Act one is, uh, it says, is one of the greatest love scenes ever. Act two shows us family bonds stretched to a breaking point uh, in reaction to this defiant and unacceptable love. And act three finally reveals the sisterhood of the Valkyries at their grim work um, and the ride to the Valkyries. Hugh, are you still with us? I don't see him on our Skype connection, so during our break that's upcoming, we will try to reconnect and continue this conversation, which I think is really fascinating, and the accessibility of something <clears throat> that we call opera, but is musical theater. Hugh Keeland, we will be back. We'll be talking about it, hopefully, with you right after these messages. Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP. Tag your it. Tom Hartman, weekdays at noon. Tom Hartman program, your home for the resistance, commentary, conversation, and common cause. Join me, Tom Hartman, every weekday from noon to three right here on WHMP. 1015 and 1400 WHMP. People here are raving about QC Kinetics and how regenerative medicine has changed their life. People like Helen, an avid mountain climber who got sidelined when an accident left her knees in constant pain. I was not able to train or do really anything on my knee. Helen was told surgery would be her only option. 
But then she found QC Kinetics and was treated with natural biologics designed to repair and restore tissue in her knees. Three months later, she was climbing the highest mountain in North America. I got a very quick resolution to my pain. I began treatment in March, and I summited Denali June the 7th. It was super successful, and I recommend everyone seek out QC Kinetics as an alternative to surgery. Get your life back with lasting results. No surgery, no drugs, no downtime. Call QC Kinetics today. Call QC Kinetics, 413-992-5450. That's 413-992-5450. 413-992-5450. That's 413-992-5450. 413-992-5450. You love your car. We all do. It's part of our DNA. If your vehicle gets into an accident, the people to turn to are the collision experts at Fort Hill Collision Services in Amherst. Fort Hill lets you leave your concerns at the door. They'll fix your vehicle to better than factory standards and deal with your insurance company from start to finish. Fort Hill is locally owned and operated. They're part of the community, and they guarantee the work they do every time. Trust Fort Hill Collision Services, Route 9, Amherst, and online at forthillcs.com. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. WHMP. And we are back. We were talking to music director Hugh Keeland of Tundi uh, about the 2023 Tundi Wagner uh, uh, pieces that are, that are being performed beginning on the 18th uh, in at the Vermont Festival up in Brattleboro, Vermont. You can learn more about it by just T-U-N-D-I in your browser and Wagner W-A-G-N-E-R. Hugh is the music director and was explaining this remarkable piece that ironically is all about children and their relationship to parents when there's uh, when family bonds are being tested by uh, kids feeling differently than their parents. Um, and uh, we were just, Bill, we were just talking about the difference between musical theater and opera. I, I wanted to talk to Hugh about this genre. I mean, yesterday we were talking about the 50th anniversary of hip-hop Tomorrow we'll be talking about jazz. We're constantly talking about other genres. Opera, people think it's hoity-toity. Um, and uh, the difference between musical theater and opera, why do you think opera doesn't catch fire in this country? Well, I think it doesn't catch fire because of the class-based impression of opera that exists and permeates our culture. And I think it is very much looked at as something for... Uh, the upper upper classes who are disconnected in an art form somehow disconnected from the lives of actual people, which is not true. Musical theater and opera are actually uh, uh, two two genres that not only coexist but they're very similar and they have very uh, they have aspects of each other that are in fact very close and that borrow from each other. And you had an interesting aphorism before we went on the air. You said that uh, opera is music with a story and musical theater is a story with music. And I think that's really interesting. It uh, is. And that, it was an opera singer who told me that. But uh, the other thing that I remember, and you probably, you are going to remember it too, is there were, were attempts at rock opera, Tommy and uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. More recently, which um, was a Hamilton. Big, uh, Hamilton itself is more... Uh, music with a story <laughs> behind it. It's more like opera because the music is continuous throughout. It is. And Hamilton, of course, was a fabulously successful 
uh, production and on on Broadway and off. Uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, I think, uh, introduced people to opera in a way that felt like it was well rock and roll on stage. And they're certainly not the only only productions like that. And I think that to the extent that it introduces people to a new kind of art form, fabulous and and successfully done. And it's really interesting to me. You know, we've had in the Valley here, Valley Light Opera for many, many years. And those productions have been very successful. And I think very, very, uh, I think, informative and entertaining for people up and down the Valley. I, I think it's really true. And, and I know that, um, do we have Hugh back? In a minute, we're going to have Hugh back. I think we've been, uh, Dan has been working tirelessly to get him back. We don't know what happened to a Skype link. But I, I just want to say, it, it is I always love going up to be entertained in Brattleboro because it is a great city, and uh, this this festival sounds really interesting. You don't have to be an aficionado of of opera to enjoy this. I think Hugh is back. Are you with us, Hugh? I am, and I apologize. That's okay. Whatever happened, we, let's uh, we're getting back to talking about it. I I want to ask you, why <clears throat> should people? What will people uh, see if they go? to 2023 up in Wagner and, and, and hear Wagner and see the opera that you were talking about. So I'll expand your verb set to see and hear and experience. Mm. So for each of our performance evenings, and there's more than the performance evenings, um, begins at four in the afternoon for act one of each of the two shows, Die Valkyrie and Siegfried. Uh, each of the acts is long, more or less in the region of an hour and 20 minutes. After an hour and 20 minutes of, let's say, the first act of, of Die Valkyrie, there's an, there's an hour and a half dinner break. Then there's act two, and then there's a 45-minute dessert drink, do-what-you-want break, and the evening is over at 10. So that's kind of the roadmap of the performance. Um, so when you come, should you choose to buy, take the big risk of, of buying a ticket and having this extraordinary immersive experience, what we promise you is an immersive experience, both visually. So there'll be, there'll be visual imagery for scenery. There'll be a stage with, um, with stage furniture and props and things. There'll be actors in costume on stage. There'll be orchestra of about 60 people behind the stage, kind of both visible and invisible, depending, uh, uh, depending on the time, uh, from the audience's point of view. Most deliciously, what you'll experience is kind of real-time, real-life, real bodies, real voices surround sound. So, for example, the Valkyries are um, arrayed in galleries and catwalks that basically surround the theater. Uh, they ring the audience, rather, at, 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 at a sort of um, at a high, highish level in the theater. So uh, there's some amazing, unamplified acoustical musical effects in, the, in, 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 in these things. This, it, sounds, have, it sounds wondrous, Hugh Keelan. I, I want to ask yeah. you, this is a, it's a long time between these acts. What do people do yeah. in terms of eating or, or uh, otherwise having a full experience? They, up there in Brattleboro. Yes. Uh, so um, I, I'm not going to give specific restaurant recommendations over the phone right now, but that would be the thing to do is, 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 is to plan your eating and your relaxation time between the acts and to a very great extent 
uh, the, the, the restaurants up here are used to this, uh, and we're on the curve of learning how the town can best service the festival, the festival best service the town. Uh, so um, please do make your own choices about how to handle, handle that break. The, break. the breaks are essential. Hugh, this is huge stamina demand. Hugh, this is Dan. Can you tell us a little bit about Wagner? I mean, all I know is he's German based on his name, and, and, and I know that connection. And you're pronouncing very well, Dan. I, you're welcome. I know. So, uh, but can you tell us a little yeah. bit about him? What makes him special? Yeah, he, he addresses kind of what, what, what we were uh, talking about before the power outage up at my end. So uh, he really takes on the intense social issues of, I would say, any times. So uh, we, we call it tribal conflict, conflict, but it could be any type of racist issue, uh, how we mishandle ourselves in family and how we move away from mishandling ourselves in family and personal relationships. It, it, it basically deals with the essentials of what it is to be a human being, and it does it in this transcendent manner that the, the, I cannot describe to you the, the effect of listening to this music for a long period. I, I really can't describe it. Um, and, um, yeah, yeah, you have another question. I, think. I do. I, this is Bill. I'd yeah. like to know where you put Wagner's opera in terms, on a continuum, if that's an appropriate uh, uh, phrase or word, um, in opera, I mean, it, in some ways, it's political opera. It's like Jesus Christ Superstar, and it's not uh, yeah. Gilbert and Sullivan. But I'd appreciate your perspective on the politics of this. So the, uh, we'll start with the man Wagner. His first name was Richard Richard Wagner, and he, to this day, he is a heated and contentious figure, and rightly so. So he was he was a he was an active pamphleteering political activist anti-Semite in his day. He died in 1883. So he was, he, he's known before. as a vicious anti-Semite, yes? Yes, 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 very certainly, very certainly. And there's just no argument about that. Now, uh, 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 you will hear from me no apologetics, no defense, no, 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 no workaround about that. I would say that is the primary content of what we can get from... Uh, being witnessing, experiencing these operas because they're like a crucible in, we, in which we can address how these things work in our own, own times. I, I'm sure I don't need to give anybody here, you know, a, a, a list of dangerous and toxic issues that, that are alive and kicking inside our own societies. So, in a nutshell, that's why it's because they are so important as tools for us to sort of filter ourselves to examine new modalities and possibilities and deal in a non-political way with highly political um, and societal issues. Well, this, this is all. It is so very, very interesting. I wish we had more time. We don't. Could you please tell people how to get tickets and, uh, and let us know what we'd be missing if we didn't go up to Brattleboro at the beginning of the 18th? Yeah. I, I, so, so we have young players playing in the orchestra. So, 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 so some of them pr pr probably just short side of 30. And they're experienced, they're well-trained, they're good, they're extraordinary players. And I can tell you, their exposure to this work has them in tears. You know, sh shall we say a little bit jaded, a little bit knowing the ropes in terms of the music profession. They are, they, they are bowled over by what we're doing. We are very certain we offer that to our audience members. How do we get tickets? So, 
How do you get tickets? You go to wagnerinvermont.org. Wagner with a W. Wagner with a W. W A G N E R in Vermont with a V. V E R M O N T dot org. And um, that will give you a complete schedule and everything you need to purchase the tickets. It sounds really terrific. And, and it is, as a genre, opera and classical are beautiful. Whatever your love of music is, this yeah. sounds like a powerful and perhaps attitude changing. Uh, experience. Uh, thank you so much for Hugh Keelan, and as they say, break a leg. Thank you. How lovely to talk to you. For us as well. We're going to be back. We're going to be talking with the amazing freelance journalist, Dusty Christensen. He has, uh, right on top of another story that uh, is kind of captivating all of our attention, we'll be back with Dusty right after this. Listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. A 57-year-old Hiddenville man is dead following a head-on collision on Route 9 in Williamsburg yesterday afternoon. One of the vehicles was traveling in the wrong direction when the crash occurred around 2.15 p.m. The road was closed for several hours between Bread Euphoria and Beaverbrook Golf Course, but is now reopened. The crash is under investigation. Multiple employees of the State Department of Children and Family Services are being sued by a Southampton couple over their religious views. According to the Gazette, Michael and Catherine Burke say they were denied a foster care license on the grounds they could not be affirming to a child who identified as LGBTQIA+. The suit alleges the denial violates the First Amendment and calls on the court to prohibit discrimination based on religious beliefs of foster parents. The East Hampton Fire Department will receive $565,000 in federal grants to purchase new equipment, including a brush truck and self-contained breathing apparatus. East Hampton Fire Chief Christopher Norris says the demand for services has gone up for the last three years by 20% each year. The funding comes from two assistance to firefighter grants, which was awarded by the Department of Homeland Security. The money must be used within two years. And for the seventh year in a row, UMass Amherst has been named the best in-campus food by the Princeton Review. UMass Dining is the largest collegiate dining program in the nation. Partly sunny this afternoon, still the chance for an isolated shower or two. Most of us stay dry, a high of 76 to 80. Variable clouds tonight, evening temperatures in the 70s, an overnight low of 62 to 68. Sun cloud mix tomorrow, chance for scattered showers, especially in the afternoon, a high of 80 to 84. Showers and thunderstorms likely on Friday. 22 News Storm Team meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. What's cooking at River Valley Co-op? Here's avid eater, grocery shopper, and co-op member Bill Newman. Local farmers are arriving at the co-op every day with summer berries, corn, tomatoes, and watermelon, and endless bounty. At the co-op seafood counter, little neck clams are rolling in. What goes better with corn and tomatoes than sweet, briny little necks? No time to cook today? The co-op makes pizza, sandwiches, burgers, sushi, and smoothies, and they make it all from scratch. River Valley Co-op, wild about local. Everyone is welcome. 
The Daily Hampshire Gazette, the Pioneer Valley's newspaper covering Holyoke to Deerfield and Belchertown to the Hilltowns, was awarded New England Newspaper of the Year for their local news coverage. Home delivered six days a week and online 24-7. Try their digital-only subscription options and stay connected with your community wherever you are. Pick up a copy on newsstands, subscribe, or visit gazettenet.com. The Daily Hampshire Gazette, covering the Pioneer Valley since 1786. You're a nonprofit doing good work in the community. You want to let people know? That's easy. Talk to Hannah. Tell her you want to have a PSA on WHMP. If you're a community nonprofit, WHMP helps you communicate. Have an event? Need donations? Volunteers? Talk to Hannah. She'll help you craft a message and we'll run it at no cost. Hi, it's Hannah. Email me at hward at whmp.com or call me at 586-7400. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts, and messages from community nonprofits. Pets and people, they belong together. They help us feel calm and loved with every tail wag, kiss, and snuggle. Dakin Humane Society believes in this bond, and your support keeps people and pets together. You provide resources so animals with medical issues can get the care they need to find homes. Our pet food aid program lets people facing tough times feed and keep their pets because you care. Dakin's many programs and services help companion animals and the people who love them. To make a gift, visit DakinHumane.org. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. And welcome back to the show. We are with one of my favorite guests, is freelance, jur- freelance journalist Dusty Christensen, formerly of the Daily Hampshire Gazette, and now he freelances. And you've been a busy guy, Dusty. Always busy here in the Valley of the Journalist. Great to be on the show, folks. It's great to have you here. So uh, our, as Bill uh, characterize it. There's a story that's been roiling across the valley about the uh, stop of a uh, Holyoke resident, a 60-year-old woman who barely crested five feet tall, uh, Marisol Driush, I think is how you pronounce her name, who was uh, stopped on King Street and uh, one thing after another ensued. Uh, you covered this story. Could you, why don't you first start by telling us what happened? Sure. It was on April 4th, close to midnight, and Marisol was uh, picking up an order from McDonald's to deliver through an online food delivery app, I think DoorDash. Um, As you say, she's 60 60 years old, about 120 pounds. um, And as she pulled out of McDonald's, she had her headlight uh, busted, it seemed. It was out. And so a Northampton police officer pulled her over. and quickly uh, escalated, the, the, the traffic stop quickly escalated. Within five minutes, uh, the officer, John Salou, was, was wrestling her uh, to the pavement. Um, uh, she got tackled to the ground, uh, pepper sprayed, handcuffed. Um, uh, it was very clear from the conversation uh, that her first name, language was not English. Uh, no Spanish-speaking officer arrived until after all of that. Um, and so we, uh, at the, at one of the many local outlets I write for the shoestring, uh, obtained video of this arrest, uh, we're the first news outlet to publish it, uh, back on, on August 8th. And, and as you say, the, the story has really spread across the Valley. Every, uh, local news outlet, uh, has been covering it. There was a large protest on Sunday in front of city hall in Northampton, uh, about 70 people were there. They were calling on the officers to be fired and, and police chief Jody Casper to resign. Um, it is, it has really sparked a lot of conversation, uh, you know, here in Northampton and beyond. 
Dusty Christensen, go back a second. You just mentioned two important dates. One was August 8th, the day your story broke. The other was April 4th, the date of this incident. What happened between April 4th and August 8th? How did the story come to light? How did you get it? Uh, that's a that's a good question. Um, uh, you know, uh, between this time, uh, police officers uh, uh, initially sought to bring a whole slew of charges against Marisol, uh, including assault and battery on a police officer, attempting to disarm a police officer. They say she grabbed the police officer's baton as he was tossing her to the ground, uh, resisting arrest and refusing to identify herself, in addition to the busted headlight violation. Uh uh, after she was arrested, the, the DA's office took one look at this case and uh, and de- and dismissed all those criminal charges. Uh, Marisol did admit to the broken headlight charge. Uh, she's uh, since then obtained a lawyer, which is a civil uh, tra- which is a civil case. charge, the traffic one. That is right. Yes, that is right. Just a, a simple civil charge uh, over a broken headlight. Um, and uh, Marisol has since obtained uh, a, a lawyer, Dana Goldblatt, a local defense attorney here in our area, uh, who's uh, also bringing another case against the Northampton PD on behalf of Eric Matlock, who was also pepper sprayed. I believe that was back in 2017. Um, and so, yeah, you know, as reporters, uh, we hear often about uh, stories like this before the, the broader public uh, through all sorts of ways. And uh, so uh, we at the Shoestring put in a public records request for this dash cam footage and uh, and obtained it and and ultimately published our story just last week. So what happened, if I can say this back to you, is that you had heard about the story. I'm not asking you for your source. <laughs> you, you filed a public records request with the Northampton Police Department saying we want the video of this event. The Northampton Police Department responded and in fact provided the video or most of the video to you as a reporter for the shoestring you wrote the story and that's how it came to light and why we now know about it is that right that is correct that is correct we learned about the story as you say through uh through sources um and uh and put in a public records request with northampton pd they did release the video they redacted it which for folks who don't know essentially means they censored it they bleeped out information um because uh, marisol was uh was ultimately not charged with all those criminal charges they they threw at her uh, in the video that we obtained, they bleeped out all of those charges. Uh, uh, we did afterwards get a, a copy of the unredacted video from uh, from her lawyer, Dana Goldblatt, in order to know what the, the officers were saying underneath those uh, bleeps that were in the video we got from the NPD. So, Dusty Christensen, the, the Northampton Police Department has this new dash cam system. Every time you make a public records re- request, you're asking for... Uh, a video from a dash cam system? Uh, that's right. In this case, we asked for the video, any video of the arrest. And what we got back is, is exactly right. It's a dash cam the, uh, footage through uh, the department's uh, new uh, dash cam system through uh, the company Motorola. The dash cam system has, I'm sorry, a dash cam system has been in effect in Northampton for many years. Is this something new that dash cam footage is a public record or is that old hat under the, uh, but with a new system? I would assume that dash cam footage was always a public record. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, footage taken on publicly owned uh, cameras and uh, subject to the same public records law that any publicly created uh, document would be. Uh, obviously, this new dash cam system, I think, streamlines that process. Um, uh, you know, they upgraded to this Motorola uh, solution system, I believe, back uh, just last year, a little more than a year ago. It's called Watchdog. 
and uh, it, it includes a software subscription, hardware, you know, the, the all, all of all kinds of stuff, and um, and it uh, it streamlines the process of of you know of, of processing and, and uploading that footage, and obviously for us as journalists, it perhaps uh, uh, leads to. Um, uh, it's a better quality footage. Uh, I know that the department was saying that its previous uh, dash cam uh, system was uh, was in need of repair, if I'm remembering correctly. So, Dusty Christensen, tell us this. Lawyers can be remarkably tight-lipped about ongoing litigation or potential litigation. And in this case, Dana Goldblatt has said that you will present to the city a formal demand, which is required under, I believe, Chapter 258. Uh, and then the city has six months to respond to the demand. Uh, based on the uh, 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 based on the wrongdoing of the police in this instance, I'd be interested to know whether you had the opportunity to interview the victim and or her lawyer. Uh, that's a good question. I will just refer you to our article in the shoestring, uh, uh, which does have uh, some comments from her lawyer, Dana Goldblatt. Um, uh, you know, she she told us uh, that she thinks this is uh, this fits within the reputation of the Northampton Police Department, uh, which she alleged is, um, you know, is disproportionately uh, stopping black and brown people and has a reputation for disproportionately being rough with them. Uh, that's what Dana Goldblatt said uh, in her interview that we conducted with her ahead of publishing this article uh, last week. Uh, I'm quite interested. I'm, I'm reading from your article right now. Casper, police chief of uh, Northampton, Jody Casper, told the shoestring that after a community member complained about the incident, the NPD, Northampton Police Department, uh, hired Comprehensive Investigations and Consulting, which is a Massachusetts consulting firm run by former prosecutors and police officials to further investigate the department's actions. And that investigation also found no wrongdoing. Um, I saw the video. You saw the video. Uh, yeah. How do you? I mean, how do you explain as a reporter? And where are you going to go with this? That there was uh, a finding of no wrongdoing in this particular stop. Yeah, and Dusty, in answering Buzz's question, could you tell us who are these people? They're supposedly, I guess, an independent investigative agency, but they want us now. The, their report is public to not believe what we see with our own eyes. Mm. They say, this is just fine what happened. How is that possible? Who are these people? Uh, that is a great question. Uh, the, the folks who run this consulting firm, the city hired uh, as a, um, yeah, you say, quote-unquote, independent investigation, uh, comprehensive investigations and consulting is the uh, very bland, generic name of this firm. Um, uh and the partners in this firm are all former law enforcement folks. Uh, there's a former secretary of public safety and, and former first assistant district attorney, uh, Daniel Bennett. Uh, there's a former colonel in the Massachusetts State Police, uh, former trial lawyer who also worked for a DA's office, and, uh, and uh, William Baker, a former police chief in several different communities. So, um, you know, these are folks who had uh, long careers in law enforcement and now run a consulting firm to look into these kinds of incidents. And, and I think their charge in this case was to look at whether or not that behavior violated any Northampton Police Department policies. And as they said, and, and uh, Police Chief Jody Casper said, um, uh, the, the actions of the officers did not violate policy. Uh, that consulting firm went on to say, I believe that 
that the officer was courteous um, in uh, in his interaction uh, with uh, Marisol Dreoch. Um, I'll leave it up to our listeners to go back and watch the video, which does contain a, a number of expletives. Um, and judge for yourself whether the interaction was courteous or not. Um, uh, but right, I think that and not only I, I just want to point out to listeners: don't just judge your let your eyes be the judge. Also, let your ears be the judge. Because I heard that woman, I think five times when he was saying very quickly, "You had a headlight out," you know, with dropping f bombs and along the way, and she was saying, "I don't understand." I was driving very slowly. I was coming from McDonald. She just didn't understand when he was saying your headlight is busted or whatever language he was using. It's it's anything but courteous. But I, I want to interrupt you only because I want to go out 30,000 feet, zoom 30,000 feet. You, Dusty Christensen, you did tremendous work unearthing, I think it was 92 complaints against the Holyoke Police Department. Uh, you've written about the Northampton Police and alleged excesses uh, uh, prior to this, we have in Greenfield, the, the front and center are, is the conduct of the Greenfield um, police and the uh, discriminatory, uh, the verdict that found discrimination on the part of the police. You are cover, you're a local freelance reporter covering um, police. Why are you so fixated on police? <laughs> That's a great question. I am fixated on anybody who holds power in public or private uh, in the public or private spheres in our local communities. That's our charge as reporters is to be, uh, you know, as the cliche goes, uh, comforting the afflicted and afflicting the comfortable. Um, our job is to hold powerful uh, people and institutions accountable. And uh, local police departments are some of the most powerful institutions in our communities. They tend to have the largest budgets outside of school districts, or in some cases, probably more than school districts. Um, uh, in, in cities, um, uh, they uh, are the only uh, institution, you know, in our, in our cities and towns and states that has the power to deprive you of, of liberty or, or, or worse, health or, or even your life in, in, in circumstances. Uh, so as reporters, it's our task to, to, be, uh, to, to offer critical coverage and, and, uh, and scrutiny to police departments, just as it is uh, to, uh, to big private businesses or the mayor's office in any particular city, or the city council. Uh, you know, these are the folks who hold power. And so as, as journalists, it's our job to, um, to dig deep there. And you are our eyes and ears. There's a reason why the First Amendment guarantees freedom of the press. We're going to have to take a quick break, though. And I want to talk about that. I want to come back after the break and ask Dusty, I want to ask you this question. I want to ask about, I want to ask about why the police officer received no no uh, discipline or any action based on all of the charges he brought against this woman, all of these charges that would have gone forward and maybe resulted in convictions, but for, but for the cruiser cam. We'll be right back. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. Find local news and local talk for the Valley. If we didn't 
go for this project, the cost to repair the schools is estimated at 80 million, and we don't get help with that. So this vote is the absolutely the smartest financial choice, and it's getting a building that we desperately need for our educators and for our students. Where the heart of the Pioneer Valley lives. 101.5 and 1400 WHMP. News, information, and the arts. At the Northampton Survival Center, we believe that no one should choose between paying bills or buying food. En el Northampton Survival Center, creemos que nadie debería elegir entre pagar sus cuentas o comprar alimentos. We supply free groceries for people in 18 Hampshire County communities in a safe outdoor distribution. Proveemos comestibles gratis a personas en 18 comunidades del condado de Hampshire en una distribución segura y al aire libre. For information about grocery pickup or delivery, call 413 586-6564 or visit NorthamptonSurvival.org Para información sobre recogida o entrega de comestibles llame al 413-586-6564 o visítenos en NorthamptonSurvival.org If the challenges of the past year have left you needing help we are here for you Si las dificultades del año pasado lo han llevado a necesitar ayuda estamos aquí para usted The Literacy Project is the place to go if you are an adult looking to improve your reading, writing, and math skills, or if you want help preparing for the high school equivalency exam and preparing for college. To find out about our free classes in Franklin and Hampshire counties, check us out online at literacyproject.org, or call us in Northampton at 413-584-6755. If you want to learn, the Literacy Project is the place for you. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. We continue our conversation with local independent journalist Dusty Christen. What happened? <laughs> what happened to my mic? Dusty, t t I want to ask two questions we were talking about during the break. First, what about the video? How important is that? And how important do you think those cruiser cams are? And what about the six charges that were brought by the police officer against this woman who was ripped out of her out of the driver's seat. All those charges were dismissed, meaning the DA's office had to think they were well not worthy of prosecution and shouldn't have been brought. So, what do you make of those two aspects of this case? Uh, great question. I'll just say quick: uh, the the video footage super important. We wouldn't have had this story if that dash cam footage didn't exist. I know there's a broader. Uh, you know, conversation about uh, civil liberties and and dash cams and uh, and I know that there was a, a little bit of controversy over over uh, this dash cam system. You know, I'll just say that as a reporter, you know, public records are how we get stories like this, and this was an important public record. As for those charges brought against uh, against Marisol Dre, which um, that included assault and battery on a police officer. Um, you know, we see those charges brought a lot against people by the police. And there are cases where the DA upholds those charges uh, where, you know, it, it it doesn't seem as though somebody was was trying to assault and bat, uh, battery a police officer. Um, that's a frequent charge that gets uh, brought or gets asked to be brought by uh, by police officers in, in cases like this. So, um, uh, yeah, obviously, the DA's office took a look at this and decided they weren't worth prosecuting. Well, in the few minutes we have left, there's a really important story coming out of Kansas, and, and we don't have time to go into it very deeply, but what happened is that a local political figure, a Republican donor, a local restaurant proprietor, 
she made claims that a local newspaper had received uh, some information about her driving uh, while intoxicated and about driving after suspension, even though those things were true. The newspaper didn't print any of that because they believed that the information, the source was her husband in the context of a divorce. They didn't print it, but nevertheless, the five-member police department and two sheriff's deputies descended on the newspaper offices and the homes of newspaper reporters and editor and grabbed computers, phones, all kinds of electronics, all kinds of paperwork, very, very frightening, very chilling if you believe in a right to free press. Um, so, Dusty, what do you have to tell us about your feelings about that as a reporter? Yeah, I, you know, I read an editorial about this uh, in the Chicago Sun-Times, I believe, uh, who, uh, who put it uh, very bluntly that, that cases like this prove just how quickly uh, reporters' rights and the right to a free press can be trampled upon. Uh, it's very concerning to see police raiding a newspaper office, um, you know, obviously the newspaper's lawyers have said that it's an illegal raid and have, have said that, you know, they, they, the police better not be looking at the, the, you know, the phones and documents that they have, uh, have seized from that raid. Um, you know, I, th- thinking from a local perspective, you know, I, I do just want to note that, um, that there is such a thing as a shield law, which in most uh, states across the country, but not here in Massachusetts, uh, legislatures passed to try to protect reporters' privilege uh, to not turn over uh, confidential sources of information, um, or sort of spelling out the the the, the steps that that uh, that people have to go through in order to subpoena then and get records from a reporter. We don't have a shield law here in Massachusetts, and. There have been uh, cases very recently where uh, reporters have had their confidential sources uh, subpoenaed from their notes. Uh, Former Berkshire Eagle editor Larry Parnas, who is now the top editor at the Springfield Republican, uh, was subpoenaed for his materials as part of a clergy abuse lawsuit. Um, Ultimately, the judge uh, in in that case said that he uh, didn't have to turn over those documents, but left the door open to the possibility that he may be compelled to do so if those confidential sources testify in the, the, the trial in this, uh, in this lawsuit that somebody brought against the, the Springfield Diocese. So, um, yeah, I know that Larry at the time uh, talked about this being an example of, of, of why we need a shield law here in Massachusetts to, report, to protect reporters from being compelled to disclose confidential sources. Um, uh, you know, what's going on in Kansas, Kansas is obviously a uh, really remarkable violation of the free press and, and the First Amendment. Um, but uh, but I'm, I'm always trying to think about how these things, uh, you know, uh, relate to our situation locally. And the need for a shield law is certainly one of those ways. I think there's a real uh, scream that should be going out uh, for a shield law here uh, legislatively. I, I just know that you are the eyes and ears you're reporting, Dusty Christensen, and people like you who let us know what our officials are doing, people in power. It is the way to keep power from getting, um, what, corrupt. Um, you are the hedge. Dusty, thanks for great reporting. Really appreciate it. Appreciate your time and your insights today. We always oh, thanks so much for having me on. I'm happy to come on anytime. It is a pleasure. Thank you, Dusty Christensen. Meanwhile, thank you, listeners, for joining us on Talk to Talk today, like Dusty. Remember, don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg on WHMP.
Did you know that you can prevent domestic and sexual violence? You can say something. We all can say something. Together, we can do so much. Say Something is the domestic and sexual violence prevention program at Safe Passage. Join a prevention lab to build your skills and find opportunities to say something to prevent violence. Join us and help make your community safe and healthy for everyone. Get more information or sign up for a prevention lab at saysomethingnow.org. Looking to take a little breather from the news? We don't blame you. Why don't you turn the dial over to our pure oldie station? I'm walking. Yes, indeed, I'm talking. It's the music you grew me, up with. Then you come back to me. WHMP and the news will be right here when you get back. The Valley's Pure Oldies, 96.9 and 100.5. WHMP Northampton and WRSI HD2 Turner's Falls. WHMP.